0: Welcome to the Nashville Vineyard Podcast. For more information, please check us out at www.nashvillevineyard.org. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope you have a great day. Sunday it's good to be able to come to you again I, I look forward to being able to to gather in person and uh, we're looking forward to being able to do that very very soon until then we're going to continue to to do this uh, each each week and as a way to continue to, to say what are you doing right now Lord what, what are you doing in, in our life in the life of our church in the life of our city and, in what's going on around around the world, I think we're mostly all asking, what's going on? What is happening? Because it does seem like times are changing and things are shifting. And we need to continue to to look and see what does Jesus have to say about this? Uh, what What does Jesus think about what is going on? and 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 more importantly, how does Jesus say that we should interact and we should we should live within a culture? we're if, if you follow Jesus called to be of a different kingdom we're called to be uh, outsiders to to everything that's going on inside of culture and inside of the world right now we're we're aliens in, in this in this land and as such we need to be looking through the scriptures we need to be diving into the words of Jesus uh, in, into the words of scripture to begin to understand how do we how do we interact uh, in this time? And as we look out into uh, culture and what's happening uh, in the news, it's easy to sort of be swept along uh, in in the currents of of what's going on in society, to begin to to move uh, with culture, but we move not with culture, but we move with Jesus. And so this is going to be uh, another message primarily focused. Uh, to those of us that that claim to follow uh, our savior jesus you see jesus primarily came uh, not only to to offer a means of reconciliation uh, to the father uh, but he also came to establish uh, a new way a new kingdom Uh, the kingdom of god is what jesus would call it throughout the gospels and we've talked about this if you've been a part of our church A lot where Jesus is continually announcing that the kingdom of God is at hand and what he would do is he would begin to to demonstrate the kingdom he would begin to to inaugurate the new kingdom and so we understand that when he came the kingdom of God and the rule and reign of God came as well and so as followers of Jesus we live submitted to that kingdom. We live under his influences. We live under uh, his rule and his reign. We live under his guidance. We obey our king more than we obey anything else. Our emotions, uh, our feelings, uh, what people tell us uh, that we should be feeling and thinking. We primarily sift all of those things and submit all of those things uh, to King Jesus. And so I wanna take a look at a passage here. Uh, throughout uh, the Gospels, you're going to find it in Luke chapter 10. You can open your Bibles. And hopefully, you have your Bible with you. You can press pause, grab your Bible, and uh, and join us in Luke 10 as as we begin to hear what Jesus uh, is saying. I think right now to his church. Uh, we're, we're going to begin to look at this at this story in, in Luke chapter 10. Before we do, uh, let's pray and let's invite the presence of the Holy Spirit to fill us to the full, to overflowing. Uh, let's, let's submit our minds uh, to him. Let's, let's actually ask him to renew our minds and, and conform our minds to, to the way that scriptures tell us and teach us that we should think. Let's do that. Holy Spirit, we welcome you right now. We invite you to change us, to allow us to see people, to see our lives, to see the world the way that you see them, to think thoughts that that are inspired by you and not by this fallen world. Lord, would you renew our minds? Would you give us ears to hear what it is you're saying, eyes to see what you're doing, and hearts to receive the messages that you give us in your word? And it is in your name that we pray this, Jesus, our Messiah. Amen. So we're going to take a look at a story that Jesus tells uh, in Luke chapter 10 you can open your bibles it's luke chapter 10 verse it starts at verse 25 i'm going to read it and then we're going to talk a little bit about it go back through it okay Uh, in your bible it might say the parable of the good samaritan i want to talk about parable really quick parable isn't an easy story to understand that's not what a parable means a parable is a story in fact the disciples say afterwards jesus is telling all these parables and they said why are you you telling all these parables and Jesus says, I, I I give them not for you to understand. but he, So he basically gives parables only to be understood by followers of Jesus within a movement of his kingdom coming on earth as it is in heaven. So when we think about parables, it's not like a, a good moral story. It's not like the three little bears. Parables help us figure out and unlock the kingdom of God and, and begin to see and understand spiritually, prophetically, what is is actually happening through the lens of these parables. So so that's what this this is going to be. So he says this. uh, It starts in verse 25, and it says, And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? In other words, what do I need to do uh, to get get the good stuff? And, uh, And Jesus says to him, in verse 26, it says, What is written in the law? What is your reading of it? So he basically says, well, what, is, what does it say? What do the scriptures tell you? He's a lawyer. He should know. And in verse 27, he answered. He said, so he's answered and said, You shall love the Lord with your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And then Jesus answered. It says in verse 28, and he said to him, You have answered rightly. Do this and you will live. This is important, but he wanting, but he, the, the lawyer, wanting to justify himself said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Then Jesus answered the man and said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a certain priest came down the road and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise a Levite when he arrived at the place came and looked and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan as he journeyed came where he was, and when he saw him he had compassion, and so he went to him, and he bandaged his wounds. Pouring oil on wine, and he sent him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. On the next day, when he departed, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, and said to him, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I come, I will repay. So, which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And he said, this is the lawyer, he who showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said to him, Go and do likewise. I want to talk for a little bit about what this is saying and what this is meaning. Um, what is the point here? And, and and we want to read scripture the way it was intended to be read. The idea of a good Samaritan is a very common phrase. Um, you want to be a good Samaritan. You want to be the good Samaritan. You want to do this good Samaritan hospital or whatever. So this is an overused term, and, it, and that means we're really familiar, and, and, and familiarity breeds contempt. And so we can sometimes not really think through uh, what it is, is actually happening within the story. So I, I want to just go back and break it down. So we have this lawyer. He was a highly esteemed you know, in the Jewish community. And when they say lawyer, it means that he was like an expert in the law. So So think about the Mosaic Law. Uh, the Levitical law uh, that happened in the in the Pentateuch in the in the Old Testament what we call it. So this lawyer is an, is an expert in the Scripture, and he comes to this supposed Messiah. See, everyone's checking Jesus out. They're they're saying like he doesn't really fit the bill of what we suppose a Messiah would look like. He he's doing things differently. And remember, in the beginning of when when Luke is writing this, in the beginning he says that uh, he makes a big point to say like like after Jesus was tempted he comes back into the temple and and he pronounces what he what he is here for is it's to preach uh, good news to the poor set the captives free and uh and and so so Luke then sort of frames everything out uh through this this is what the mess- messianic uh mission was to do uh raise the dead heal the sick cast out lepers preach good news to the poor set the captives free this is what a messiah does right and so Jesus is announcing this is me this is the Messiah. And so the Jewish people have, uh, in, the, in the scripture, they've been looking for a Messiah, and they've been looking for a Messiah that looks like David uh, in the Old Testament, David the warrior king, David the conquering king, right? And so David was, was this mighty warrior who, who vanquished all their enemies. And so the Jewish people were living under the rule of the Romans, and they were expecting the Messiah to come and to defeat and kill all of their enemies. That's what they were hoping was going to happen. Okay, and so the lawyer is questioning Jesus, and, and he's coming at him, and so he says, "What, what should I do uh, to inherit um, eternal life?" And so Jesus says, "Well, you're the lawyer. You tell me. What does it say?" Because they wanted to trip Jesus up, and so he says the two commandments: right, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and uh, and to love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says, "Yeah, that's it. That's pretty much sums it up. Uh, you do those things." And so then the lawyer asked this, and this is where I want to hone in. The lawyer asked a question that I believe is being asked quite a bit right now by those of us who want to follow the Messiah Jesus. Because he asked the question that says, yeah, but who is my neighbor? You see, what I think was going on is he's trying to understand loving the Lord, loving the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and loving your neighbor as yourself. And obviously in this community, even in our communities, our neighbors are typically looking like us. They're typically in the same socioeconomic stratospheres. They're typically in the same um, uh, place in life as us. I mean, people tend to, to sort of flock together, right? And so um, if you look around your neighborhood, probably most of your neighbors are a lot like you. And, and so same, same thing here in, the, in this cultural context. And so he says, well, then who is my neighbor? And so the question is, who do I have to love? like I love myself. In other words, who exactly qualifies as my neighbor? And so Jesus begins to tell this parable, and he begins to unlock the secret of what it actually means to love your neighbor as yourself. And so he tells this story. There was a man, and and so a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among thieves. So he gets robbed, beaten, all that sort of stuff. So then he says there's three people that pass him, and 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 do different things. So the first person that comes uh, is a priest. Obviously, a priest was a priest, and, and he was on their side. He was on the lawyer's side. He was a, a priest, a lot of times chief priest. They had all of these rules of how you're supposed to treat a, a chief priest because they were very holy. And so uh, so everyone in the context knew what, what that meant. Um, the chief priest or a priest was there, and uh, and he doesn't help him. He goes, he goes, uh, to the next uh, other side of the road. Then comes a Levite. Levites were uh, sort of like Navy SEALs of holiness. I mean, they they had, um, you know, they wouldn't do certain things, wouldn't cut their hair, wouldn't, wouldn't drink any alcohol. Um, you know, they were super duper into observing all the laws and they were set apart, okay? So they were like, you know, a big deal within this time. Within the way that this lawyer would have believed, he would have very highly esteemed, he would have been on the side of the priest, and the Levite. Levite, again, doesn't do anything. Then we know the story. It's the title of the parable. The Samaritan comes. And the, not only does the Samaritan help, but he helps overboard. I mean, he, he really goes above and beyond. And we see, oh, wow, it's a good Samaritan. What we don't understand is actually what what was going on between the Samaritans and the Jews at this point. The Samaritans um, were kind of a impure... Um, impure race in the, in the eyes of the Jewish people. Uh, so there was a lot of racial tension between the two of them, but they were also, um, they sort of twisted, uh, the scriptures and, and they, they, they did things, um, and kind of created their own sort of, uh, Jewish religion within, um, the, the larger, uh, Jewish context. And so, so the way that they believed was, was abhorrent to, Uh, practicing God-fearing Jews and and that's actually correct like I mean they they believed inappropriate things and and uh, they had they had you know made heresy uh, part of their doctrine so to speak and so they were seen not only as as an impure race uh, but as but as absolutely um, counter to what they so strongly held uh, in the Jewish faith and so not only were they uh, racial enemies or, or uh, people group enemies like you have um, back then, nations at war. They sort of had co-opted a lot of the Jewish uh, thought and faith, and twisted, maybe even perverted it, uh, and and changed it into something else. And so they were really, uh, you know, really hated, and and they were maligned and they were outcast. So Jesus tells this story, and and to answer the question of of this Jewish lawyer of who is my neighbor. And Jesus picks out uh, the most controversial, uh, vile, and maybe even rightfully so um, disliked group of people uh, to present to um, his audience at that time of who actually they have to love uh, as themselves. And and I think this is the, the, the Lord uh wanting to to say to us in fact as i was um you know we're we're in the book of acts and so i'm i'm studying acts and preparing uh to 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 speak about acts and we'll be doing that next week but as i was leaning in um this week and asking the lord like you know every week what do you want to say what's on your heart right now what do you what do you want to convey um Over and over, just really clearly, I could hear the Lord say the question He was asking me, Who is your neighbor? And I believe the Lord is wanting to challenge us and to ask us, within the church, Who is our neighbor? You see, what what Jesus is doing here is He's saying, Who do you have to love? You have to love the unlovable. You have to love whoever it is in your mind. So in this case, it was the Samaritan. Uh, In your case, it's probably going to be someone that you view that is hostile to the way that you think and believe, that is uh, that is counter to everything that you hold dear and true to you. That that is um, set themselves up almost as an enemy against you. And Jesus presents it and says, "Which one of these counts as a neighbor?" Well. The lawyer can't even name him. He just says the one that did the right thing. He won't even mention the fact that it was the Samaritan. It can't even come out of his lips. And the Lord is asking us as a people to to reevaluate our thoughts on who we're actually loving as we love ourselves. Because the two greatest commands Jesus tells us is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul and strength. And to love your neighbor as yourself. You can't love your neighbor as yourself without first giving everything you have to God. All of your heart, mind, soul, and strength dedicated to the Lord. From that outflow comes an ability to love anyone and everyone. You see, Jesus came to save, that's right, the whole world. He loves all of them. And and he calls us as followers of Jesus to love as he loved. And he spent his time he he spent his energy amongst people that that were counter to his people, that were um, doing things that that were not good. I mean, he he was constantly among sinners, and that wasn't a false accusation. These folks were sinning, and and the folks that he 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 met, that he healed, that he delivered, that he saved, that he loved, that he uh, fellowshiped with, a lot of those people had set themselves up as people against uh, the, the, the dominant uh, religious force at that time. See, Jesus is challenging us to love our neighbor as ourself. And I hear, I just I continue to hear voices throughout the church. I mean, this is who I'm talking to, honestly. Like, the world does the world's things. The world acts like the world. We are supposed to be set apart. And that means that we're supposed to somehow supernaturally, divinely love our neighbor as ourself, inspired by God. That means that those that we see, that we view, completely against our beliefs and viewpoints, everything's being pitted against each other, right? So whoever you are right now, you're going to find yourself on one side. It doesn't matter this side or that side. And and right now, it's becoming impossible to uh, to be able to love someone uh, that that is positioned themselves on the other side. And it is it's impossible. How how can we do this? You might ask, as the disciples ask. Through God, all things are possible. You see, we're called as a, as a kingdom people, as a people who who are radically in love with Jesus. We're called to be radically in love with those that think, act, believe differently, maybe even antagonistically, than we do. And so it doesn't matter what side of anything that you fall on, whoever's on the other side of that, that's your neighbor. Which means, let's do the math on this, extrapolate this. If that's true, and if we can begin to, to do what the scriptures tell us, if we can live like Jesus is teaching us to live, then we're able to actually enter into a union with those other people, whoever other is in your mind. You see, the kingdom of God isn't positioned between this or that. The kingdom of God is is completely other than that. And so if we want to be a people of the kingdom, and and there's little room for, for not being if you want to be in the kingdom, right? Being in the kingdom means... That you're in the kingdom you follow the king's edicts and his rules and his command you you submit to what he says and what the king is decreeing right now is for us to evaluate and to ask the question who is our neighbor and ask the Holy Spirit to show you who it is that you don't want to be your neighbor all of us have people in our hearts that we would say well not them they're not our neighbor they're our enemy and Jesus would come back and say ah yes you should love your enemy and, and rejoice when people persecute you. This is how kingdom works. And what happens, what we see, now, now here's here's the crux to this. As we're wanting um, whatever it is we're wanting right now, okay? As we're wanting whatever it is we're wanting right now. Look at the parable and look at the outcome. What happens when the Samaritan... And this man, most, most scholars believe because he was coming from Jerusalem, he was going to Jericho, um, they believed that he was a, a Jew. And so, uh, what happened when the other loved the other as himself? Shalom happens. The kingdom comes. Things are restored, healing comes, provision comes. It, 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 this is what's missing, and this is this is what the secret is. And so if we look around in this time of, di- of division, if we look at all of this sort of stuff and we want to begin to interpret how do we see things and how do we move in this, this parable is set to help us be a rubric to how to interpret the times and the seasons that we're in right now. And the way that we do that and the way that we prosper and the way that we flourish and the way that we move through this time as more than conquerors of the kingdom of God is to love the neighbor that seems the least like a neighbor as ourselves and so here's what I want you to do uh, if, if, if you call yourself a Jesus follower this week I want you to invite the Holy Spirit to come and search you to come and show those people he's gonna bring faces to your mind that you say not them Lord those surely aren't my neighbor not that person not that group uh, not that political party, not that whatever, whatever it is that you've set yourself up against. Right now, God is calling you to lay down those those fences that you've built and to go and love your neighbor as yourself. And what does that look like? That means you take care of them. That means that you worry about their needs you, 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 you provide for them, you feed and you clothe them, you love them, you care for them, you pray for them, uh, you think of them, you, you, you advocate for them. This is what we do for ourselves every day, every moment of every day. And so the Lord is, is challenging us in this time to love our neighbor as ourselves. And if we do, what does he say? You will live. You will live there's a threat hanging over us right now, right? A pandemic death. That's the enemy, okay? Death is is not from, from God. He's the author of life. Jesus came that we may have life and life more abundantly. If we want to have life more abundantly, we have to participate and move in the kingdom of life. And the kingdom of life works like this in a time and moment like this. Whoever them is, Whoever the other person is, we're to love them as we love ourselves. When we do that, we participate with the kingdom. And Jesus says, Jesus won't lie. Jesus isn't wrong. He says, then you, you will live. Right now, there are people that are watching this that are are so afraid. Fear has taken over you, a fear of death, a fear of them. a a, a fear of it a fear of the pandemic a fear of the virus a fear of death and you're asking the question what must i do to live and jesus very plainly says it you love the lord your god with all your heart submit completely open it up let him have everything and you love your neighbor as yourself this is what we need to do this week allow the holy spirit to search us look if you can't go outside If you can't go do anything, it's because I think the Lord wants you to be in this place and he wants to bring to mind people, groups, political parties, talking heads, whatever it is that you say, surely they can't be my neighbor. And he's saying, yeah, you're to love them. And you're going to say, I can't, I don't know how. And he's going to say, I know that's me. That's my job. Right. And so you ask him to, to help you. Help me love them. Help me see them as a neighbor. Help me see them as the way that you see them. Give me eyes for the world that you have. I want to love like you love. You do that, and you will live. That's what Jesus says. Listen, if you want to talk more about this, if you haven't chosen to follow Jesus, this is a good time to do that. Amongst complete upheaval, amongst the pandemic, amongst no no one knows what tomorrow is bringing. No one. Your future is not, it's not guaranteed. What you had plans for in the next month, it's not guaranteed. The only thing that you can count on right now is our Messiah, Jesus. He's the only one. And if you don't have that relationship, if you don't feel like you're in the kingdom, let me tell you, this is a wonderful time to declare a citizenship of a new king—not a king of culture, not a king of the world, but a higher king that calls us to live a better way. So, I, I would encourage you. Uh, if you're watching this on Facebook, uh, you can see right below this. You're going to have opportunities to join a new believer class. Part of what Jesus did when He came and His kingdom came is He one of His one of His missions is to heal the sick and cast out devils. If you need any of that we've got that too so you can sign up for one of our healing rooms we'd love to pray for you and uh, and see you set free from sickness and uh, from any sort of tormenting uh, spirits that might be um, keeping you bound. Uh, if you if you want to gather with people who begin to see the world differently and, and live in life uh, of a people that are set apart that are trying to trying to, to be in this world but not of this world, uh, we have small groups that gather. And, and part of the reason that they gather is to say, how did you do this? I don't know what to do. I I, I don't know how to, to live this life. And, and because when we gather, he's there. And because when, when we gather, uh, we look more and more like him, um, then you can gather in our small groups with us and uh, and begin to, to walk out this faith. It's not a solo act. It takes all of us uh, working at this thing to be his bride. So you can sign up for that too. I'm going to pray. And then we're gonna we're gonna close. Lord Jesus, we we can't love, we can't love our neighbor much less our enemy. I mean, the most of us struggle to even understand loving ourselves. I know even right now, there are those listening to this that have just a, a self hatred. They're ashamed, um, they're condemned. Uh, they feel they feel worthless, and so they would say, "I can't even love myself." Lord, we need you right now. If you feel, yeah, if you feel shame right now, if you feel condemnation right now, um, I, I want you to do something. I want you to hold your hands out because the Holy Spirit is getting ready to set you free from that right now. So if you could just hold your hands out and, and, and what you're picturing in your hands is all of that shame and guilt and condemnation. Okay, so that's in your hands. Lord, we just declare life and life abundantly and in you there is a fullness of joy and, and you have come uh, not to uh, condemn the world, but to save the world. And so in you there is no condemnation, but fullness of life and joy. And so right now, if that's you, I just command that condemnation and that shame to break off of you right now in Jesus' name. I just release peace to fall over you right now in the name of Jesus. I just impart joy and the joy of the Lord to begin to fill your bellies right now. You're going to begin to feel warmth in your hands, in your stomach, and coming over your chest right now. Some of you are probably crying, and that's the Spirit of God resting on you, and He's setting you free right now. And so we just say, thank you, Lord. Thank you for freedom. Thank you for fullness of life. Thank you for joy. Now, Lord, would you show us those people in our lives that we have set ourselves up against, that you have commanded us to love. We repent We repent right now of anger uh, and hatred driven by fear. And we just ask, Lord, that you help us to love those that we find unlovable. Give us eyes to see them so that, Lord, you would be glorified. Because when we love you with all our mind, heart, soul and strength, we will be able to love you and to love others as we love ourselves. Would you do it in your name, Jesus? Amen. We hope to see you uh, throughout the week and uh, next week in our small groups. For all upcoming events, more information about the National Vineyard Church, please check us out at www.nationalvineyard.org. Thank you again for listening, and we hope you have a great day.